I'm Dave Tussing, and you're listening to George Fox Talks Leadership. Simon and Sam, really good to see you guys today. Thankful that we could make this happen um, all over the all over the country, but we're here together virtually, which is fabulous. Someday we'll do it in person. Um, Absolutely. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah, great to see you, Dave. Great to see you, Timon. Yeah. Just so the people who don't know you yet have a little idea of who you are, Timon is a leader at Slalom Consulting down in the Bay Area. Um, he's worked in the tech industry for many years, uh, in China for quite a long time, and now here in the United States um, for four or five years, I think. And Sam uh, is a director at the Wharton School in Pennsylvania, and he leads strategic initiatives for MBA students and career advising. And he's done some awesome research actually on calling and, and purpose type of things that we want to talk about today, as well as just the application of those things. So maybe, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add to that, um, but that's that's kind of, and I've known both of you for quite a while, which I'm thankful for. Absolutely. It's a great intro. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for uh, for having us. I guess the only disclaimer I have to say is that I am here representing myself, not representing the University of Pennsylvania. Absolutely. I, good point. Yes. I think we all have those sort of things and this is our <laughs> personal endeavor. Um, I will I will echo the same thing. <laughs> this is this is my personal opinion, not representative of Slalom. <laughs> all right. Well, we're we're all in industries where that sort of thing is important to say. But um, we're here to talk about calling, though. And that's a term that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But what I really appreciate about, you know, some of the research you've done, Sam, and what you're doing is like, it's just real stuff that can apply to anybody, you know, so we can kind of demystify what calling is today. Think about how individuals can benefit from exploring what calling means in their life, how it can affect decision making for business leaders and people in the professional world. You know, how if we can help our teammates understand this notion of calling and how they can apply it in their life. There's some really great business benefits from it too. And it just, you know, increases quality of life and kind of a lot of different things. So I'm not going to steal the thunder and nor would I be capable of it because it's not my expertise like yours, Sam, but (laughs) that's kind of what we're going to discuss today in general. So um, maybe we can just dive into some of that and hear a little about what you're thinking. And again, Sam, you know, you're working with um, professionals going into early career, Time and I have been in our careers for a while and helping, you know, ourselves figure this stuff out, but also help others navigate this. And so, uh, you know, there's research and application that I really am excited to talk about today. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And this is a, a topic that everyone can benefit from. And, uh, you know, it's important to acknowledge that we're all coming from a certain point of view uh, as, as, as men, um, you know, our racial point of view, socioeconomics. So yeah. we, we have a point of view and have an experience. And, and that's why it's also great to be able to look at research because mm-hmm. research is inclusive of, of a lot of voices mm-hmm. and a lot of experiences. Yeah. Um, so calling is something that's it's hotly debated, even how to define it. Uh, you know, some uh, psychologists really uh, <clears throat> center it on, on meaningful work. Um, other people center it in more of a, a spiritual or, or a religious uh, connotation. That the idea that to have a calling, you have to have a caller, that there would be a higher power involved. Um, others would include in that definition, uh, perhaps it has to have some component of social good as well for it to be a calling or, or to, it's just work. Um, so this is the, something that's debated, these components, but uh, everyone agrees that it is meaningful to the individual for it to be a calling. 
And another part of the research that's really interesting, and that, that came, this came out of the University of Pennsylvania in the late 90s, is uh, generally the po population falls into three buckets. And uh, the first bucket is viewing your work as a calling, uh, something that's very deep and meaningful to you. Uh, the second bucket is people who view it as a career. Uh, so this is more about advancement and achievement. And then the last is people who view their work as a job. Uh, so if they didn't have to uh, work for money, they wouldn't do it. And there's probably each of us would say, <laughs> you know, our, our daily experience can fit into, into each, each of the three, but people lean into one of those directions. Right. Um, does that resonate with you when you hear me say that? Absolutely does. I've had, I've had jobs that have been just a job and I've had um, things I've done that have been like very motivating and, and more in that zone of calling and everything in between. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How about you, Simon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've had, I've had all of the above. Um, I mean, I've always been, uh, I, I've always felt like calling and meaningful work was, was really important. I've kind of let my, um, that meaning and interest and, you know, where I think that I can make an impact in the world, uh, really drive me. Um, and, uh, it's been, you know, I've kind of seen like a few different phases. Um, and it's certainly the calling personally has been something that, I've really, I, I haven't necessarily had like one overarching uh, calling, but I think I've, I've really in these different chapters of my life have been able to kind of piece together um, some, some different elements and aspects of, of my, of what I would view my, as my, uh, my broader calling. Your broader calling. That makes sense. That mm -hmm. makes sense. So yeah, you're, you're connecting with this idea of, of calling. Well, in, in the late nineties, there were about 15 published articles on calling. And uh, this article from the University of Pennsylvania came out and, and it led to this proliferation of an interest in calling. And, and now there are hundreds of articles uh, that have been published by academics exploring this, this perspective of what if, what if you view your work as a calling? What are the benefits of it? And as, as you alluded to, Dave, there are, there are a lot of benefits. Uh, we really see people have a greater sense of purpose in life. Uh, people tend to have greater life satisfaction mm. um, if if they view their work as a calling. They tend to be more career resilient and more adaptable to change and challenges as they as they come about. Um, they also there are some health benefits to mm. viewing viewing your uh, work as a calling because your more overall levels of satisfaction with your life. Uh, you tend to be more satisfied with your work and with your job. So there are all these types of satisfaction that comes about that come about that then indirectly feed into your health and well-being because you have all this kind of more positive emotion about your work that leads to more engagement at work um, and just overall well-being. So it, it's a really interesting you know, benefit mm -hmm. when you see your, see your work as a calling. Mm -hmm. So here at the, at the Wharton School, we work with MBA students in the office that I, that I work in. And we looked at this, this research about calling and said, well, this is true of the general population, but we, we have a very unique population of business professionals. What does it look, what does calling look like for business professionals? And so we decided to launch a survey with business professionals. So not students, but we did a, an academic survey with people who are just working in various industries and have been working for anywhere from two years to they could have been working for 60, 65 years. So a wide range, men, women, and people who uh, of all very varied um, nationalities as well. So varied industries, nationalities, gender. And in this, we uh, gave them a, a questionnaire that was measuring how strongly they viewed their work as a calling. And then we also asked them just a brief, a brief question. Uh, could you describe your sense of calling in a sentence or two? And what we got back was actually really consistent with the general population research. 
so there was a correlation between viewing your work as a calling and job satisfaction. Mm. So being satisfied in the current job you have. We also had a, a measure of career progression satisfaction. So that was looking at the arc of your career. And, and you were mentioning that time and you've had some different phases in your career. So people who have a sense of, of calling are also happier with the arc of their career, mm-hmm. the stages of their career. And then unique to our survey, we, we found as well that individuals with a stronger sense of calling actually made more money as well. Um, so that probably played into engagement, motivation, learning. Uh, there's something about calling that does that. Mm-hmm. So we were really excited to, to find these results in the, in, the general, in, the, in the population of business professionals. And the other result that was really interesting and, again, consistent with other research is when we asked people to write about a calling, it was actually very rare that they wrote something like uh, <clears throat> general manager or a uh, healthcare executive. It was, it was pretty rare that they put an occupational title. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were more descriptive and they would say things like, I want to use my research skills and my business skills in order to develop better uh, cancer therapeutics. Um, so they, they were conceptualizing and thinking about work at, at a higher level. It wasn't just a job title. Right. And that's really kind of the spirit, I think, of of having a calling. So what we did for our students is we had read hundreds, these thousands of responses, is about 1,200 responses. And we, not in every response, but we began to see this, this pattern emerge where people would write, essentially, I want to use, and it was some type of skill or strength or ability they had. So in this past example, maybe my you know, not knowledge of the healthcare industry and my business acumen in order to have some kind of impact, develop better cancer therapeutics. So we, we were like, that's a really interesting template to think about your strengths professionally and then think about the impact you want your work to have and create that as a calling statement. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did with our students. Uh, so we, uh, we began to teach our MBA students about uh, thinking about their work as a calling through this, um, through this template. So I want to tell you more about that research, but let me pause and just see if you have any questions so far. I was going to, I was going to remember and ask, we had actually done this, you and I, a couple years ago, you kind of helped me and a small group of people think through some of this a little bit. And that was a really valuable exercise to come up with that, like one sentence or one and a half sentence type of thing. I looked at it last night. It still holds true. Um, I didn't write it down, so I can't rattle it off now, but it certainly Mm -hmm. was a unique calling statement that when I think about if I'm doing these things, I feel really good. And I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And to just put Mm -hmm. it down and kind of hone it was great. Um, So is there kind of like, is that a template or a shareable or like if you were to guide somebody through that briefly, that was going to be my question. What would that look Mm -hmm. like, you know, in a nutshell? Well, what, uh, let me tell you what we do here and then we can translate (laughs) it to other environments. So, so here at our school, uh, we have, when we onboard our students, so the MBA program is two years, so when we're onboarding them into the first year prior to arrival, uh, they do an online, an hour-long online module where we unpack this research about calling that we've done, the mm-hmm. benefits of calling, and we guide them to write an initial draft of a calling statement. And, and we have them reflect on uh, self-reflection questions. What do you believe are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? As you think about your past performance reviews, where have you been praised? Where have you been asked to develop? Mm-hmm. Uh, think about your best day at work. What was it like? Um, envision yourself 20 years in the future. What, what would you hope to be doing? Uh, so we, we get them mm-hmm. to begin reflecting on, on who they are. 
And that that is the initial draft of the calling statement to pull from that content. Mm -hmm. And then our second stage is uh, we have them take a career assessment. Uh, so that is, has all sorts of values and motivators and skills and career matches. And we once they arrive on campus, we do a 90 minute workshop. And in the workshop, we guide them through a set of paired activities where they are answering more questions based on the career assessment, more self-reflection questions, but done in an interview format. And then they have the opportunity to revise their calling statement that they, they wrote from the, the module that they had done earlier prior to arrival and discuss it with their partner to see, does their partner think it makes sense? Was it congruent with what they were talking about before? Do all the terms make sense to them? Should they make it longer? Should they make it shorter? So they get this, this feedback from a really you know, smart uh, uh, you yeah. know, fellow student and they, they refine it together. So I, I think to answer your question, yeah. it's a multi-staged process yeah. uh, that we take our students through. And then throughout their two years here, we help them refine it further and further. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, the thing for me, although you said it, you know, you do that with students, I'm not exactly a student anymore. It's been a little while. Uh, it was as as useful to me as I'm sure it was to those students. So I think it's something uh -huh. that can, if you have it, if someone hasn't done it before, they could explore it anytime and probably revisit uh -huh. it at different times. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and that's 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 what we want for our, our students who, when they become alumni, right. is this becomes a type of north star, mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. the the understanding of your strengths in the field of psychology, positive psychology, is a really important motivator. Mm -hmm. And research that we didn't do, but others have done and replicated, is they found that executives who spend a few minutes in the morning thinking about their strengths and how they want to use them as a leader, are more likely to engage in helping behaviors throughout the day. And they're more likely to engage in visioning uh, communication where they are talking about vision and goals with colleagues and others. So we really see the benefits of having a clarity of your strengths and a clarity of the intention of how you want to use them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why, like we said, like we were, you were saying, it's important to be able to reflect on it and think about not just what it is, but how am I going to use it today? Mm -hmm. and, and that's how you're building on the calling and applying the calling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tommy, does any of this resonate with you as I'm unpacking this? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, the the different phases and kind of how my I, my view of my calling has kind of evolved over time is is really interesting. If I was to if I was to say what my calling is today, um, I'd say it's helping technology clients more authentically live out their corporate calling or their corporate purpose. Um, I kind of view a, from an organization or a company perspective, they kind of have their their current state, and then they have their like best self, right? Yes. Um, yes. Or their intended or what ought to be uh, version of themselves. And I think every company- We would call that an ideal self. An ideal self, exactly. And so, you know, as a consultant and as uh, working for a consultancy, like my hope is to partner with our clients to help them to achieve their vision of their best self, right? And wow. so, and, and, that, that. and as they're doing that, you know, then they're impacting, they're having a greater impact on all of the stakeholders uh, that they're, that they're involved in, right? It's not only the shareholders, it's not only their clients, right? It's, it's also their employees, it's also the communities around them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's, it's fantastic for me, because then with that calling, you know, it, it does tie in with my work, but it is not my job, right? It is not right. simply my senior director of client service or, <laughs> you know, tech client or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it, and, it, and it really kind of, takes that I, I love the north star concept right and right. i think that right. it really gives me a good north star but i wouldn't have if, if six years ago you know when i joined slalom like i wouldn't have said that that's my call that's that's like my calling um mm -hmm. that is something that 
Um, I think I've always been, I've, I've probably had even a broader North Star um, to help to bring renewal uh, mm-hmm. to industry or companies. And my previous role, uh, a big part of that, uh, I, I was a, I was a kind of a co-founder of this technology company in, in, in China. And we kind of looked around and we realized that the industry was really immature. Uh, it, it was early stage. Maybe, maybe it's probably a better way to say it. It was, it was really early stage in, in development. And it was a great opportunity for us. Uh, but we realized that, that there was still a lot that needed to come together to, mm-hmm. to move the industry forward. And part of it was, uh, so, so we ended up realizing that or establishing a, an industry association that kind of provided a forum, right, for people to get together. We ran uh, trainings to help up-level the industry, um, help up-level their skills. We ran conferences to bring people together and talk about the next best practices. But um, it was that I would view that, that that was actually a big part of what I felt called to do. It felt like it was actually work that I was called to do and the, and an impact that I was that I was called to have. And I kind of had a unique I opportunity. Can, yeah, to do that. if I can jump in really fast, I mean, yeah. the consistency that I hear between what you're doing now and consulting and what you did in your tech startup is this theme of, of renewal or, or making something better. Yeah. Um, so you're using different language, you're using more descriptive language around, you know, the company's ideal self or aspiring self, but there's the same impact theme of, of helping an organization improve. And if I were coaching you, Timon, I would want to take a step back as well and say, in, in our template, you have half of the equation really well defined. But what what are the unique strengths that you think you bring to do that? Right? Some consultants are very empathetic. Some are very great with data analysis. Some are very great creative problem solvers. Some really challenge clients where they need to be challenged. So, you know, I'd love to hear. I don't want to put you on the spot, but if I were working with you, I'd want to you know talk about like what are maybe three real strengths that you have that enable you to bring about that kind of change for a client. Uh, I'd say probably there's two or three, uh, two or three skills, um, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to be put on the spot. Thank you. Uh, this is right, what this forum's for. Um, I, I I had an opportunity to be coached uh, by a really stellar stra- strategic thinker, um, and he was actually the founder of the com- the tech company that I that I mentioned. Um, and so I worked alongside of him for a good six years, and he was just this amazing strategic thinker. Um, and so I actually learned a lot about strategy. And a lot about uh, a lot about connecting um, connecting our business to uh, our, our our work and the to an actual strategy and like establishing what that strategy is. How are we going to differentiate? How are we going to go to market? Um, and so I think right now um, uh, that that's one of my strengths uh, is mm-hmm. is thinking strategically uh, about you know how can we you know how can we get closer to our clients' core business? How can we help them to make bigger impacts in their core business? Um, instead of simply being kind of relegated to this second or third tier uh, of, of value engagement. Um, okay. and, and so strategic thinking. Is strategic thinking one? is one. Um, the second one is active listening. Uh, so I think just being an empathetic listener, playing back what I heard, trying to really learn and read what is behind the scenes that hasn't been said, but is kind of intended, reading the emotions. Um, so I'd say probably if I were to yeah th- combine those two skills that that's probably um, the the differentiator and I think then that allows me to kind of navigate and uh, and help our clients to think think bigger um, and even get them a little bit excited um, about right. the visions that they they kind of want to see and and give them the the hope that that we actually may have a shot at uh, at achieving that right right yeah. so yeah I hear you're you're conceptualizing your calling to be 
to use my, if I were you, I would say to use my strategic thinking and active listening skills in order to help uh, companies become their best selves mm-hmm. or some, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for that. It's helpful. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm trying to do some active listening like you, <laughs> like you do as a consultant. So that's the kind of work that we do with our students. And um, and we would say, like, the more you think about this, the more you reflect on it, the more likely you are to use it and refine it and continue to think about how do I incrementally make my strategic thinking skills better? How do I incrementally make my active listening skills better? Mm -hmm. And and the more you sharpen them, the more you can utilize them in order to to achieve what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's great. I have a question, Sam. Do you think that in different or has the research shown like at different seasons of a person's life, the calling can pretty significantly shift or does it generally keep a pretty consistent arc from what you've seen? I'm just curious. Yeah, it, it can shift. Uh, so, you know, what we know about brain development is, is the brain is fully developing into the late twenties and sometimes even in the early thirties and, and earlier career research has used the term career consolidation. Mm. And it said people's careers you know, start to consolidate around their mid thirties um, and so that that tends to be a point where people have a pretty strong direction for their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who choose to have uh, families and to have children, that can be a, a redirect for people's sense of priorities. They tend to be less risk taking, mm-hmm. uh, want more stability, more work life balance. And, and so there are other dimensions of someone's life. Right. You know, a lot of our career work is built off the the notion of a self-concept or an identity, but your self-concept has multiple identities. Mm-hmm. You know, I have an identity as a professional. I have an identity as a, you know, as a father, as a husband, mm-hmm. I have an identity as a friend. And so multiple identities in, in, within me. So sometimes one identity is more salient right. um, depending on life stage. Right. So, so that can shift. Sometimes some, a traumatic experience, right. uh, if someone is fired or their company is downsized, sure. if you know, something traumatic happens in someone's life, there can be a, a pretty right. significant redirect. You know, there are other people who get into the wrong career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is a challenge for really talented people, right. actually. You know, for for people for people like me, I just consider myself an average person. You know, there's a lot of things I can't do. <laughs> and so it made some career pathing easier. But I, sometimes I work with students who truly could do anything. Like they could be a NASA scientist or they could <laughs> go be the head of a company. Like they, <laughs> sure. they're just, their, their talent spectrum is so wide. You know what you're going to say? I just said, yep, I can, I've yeah. met some of those people. Yep. You've met some of those people. And so their talents actually don't limit what they can do. And so sometimes they don't make the right choices around their interests. Mm. Uh, and so uh, to answer your question there, there can be a redirect at a later time sure. saying, I've, I've built a career doing fill in the blank, but it's not really what's satisfying right. me anymore. You know, I became a doctor, but I, I really don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, that piece. Of, uh, so yeah, absolutely. That piece you mentioned there of like, oh, I'm not feeling very satisfied ties back to what, you know, the research you said earlier. If people are feeling that way most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. in, my, in their career and job anyways, maybe they, it is a good time to say, hey, should I revisit this calling thing? Or have I even, even considered mm-hmm. that in the first place? So it's a good, exactly. good tie-in. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the hopes with this is just make it practical because people can start, should start at any time. You've laid out kind of a good framework for people to think about it. Um, if, if, you know, you're a, a leader in a company and you're thinking about how can I get a whole group of people to do this? We've kind of talked about it like the individual's level what could that look like? Or what have you seen where companies are starting to make this a bigger part of what they're doing for their, for their teammates? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it, it really gets to the kind of work that Timon does around corporate culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, these types of things need to be 
um, embedded into the and in, in codified mm -hmm. into the culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so and that start with, starts with hiring. Um, so are you asking a lot of motivational questions in your hiring process? What motivates you at work? What what keeps you up at night? Why do you do what you do? Are, are you communicating that that's important in the hiring process and the job descriptions in your you know corporate communications? Is, is people having a sense of purpose at work is something that you say you value? Mm -hmm. And then from the very beginning, are you interviewing people to select people who have a sense of purpose? So who you let in the door is, is really right. important. And what you're signaling is what your culture is really important. And then do senior executives talk about it? Do they talk about whether they use the word calling or, or purpose or fulfillment or meaning? Is that language they talk about? Or is the culture simply hard driving bottom line culture? Um, so that, that becomes important and that trickles down. Are people on some level evaluated by you know, thinking about how meaningful they are, their work is? On some level also is the, is the culture in, in staff engagement surveys evaluated? So what you measure is what's important to you. Right. So okay. I, I think that those all become very important practices. Yeah. Is it normal for your manager to talk up to, with you about, are you, are you finding fulfillment in your work? Because you know, fulfillment, your, your work, one of the things I want to say about calling is an occupation. So you have a calling and then you have an occupation. Yep. And the occupation in many ways is holding your calling. Like we saw a time in, he, he started a tech company and then now he's a consultant. Those are two very different jobs. Yep. But these two jobs are different jobs and different industries are both able to hold Timon's calling. So if you're not satisfied with your work, do you not enjoy the job you have, but you like the team you're on? Mm -hmm. Do you like the job you have, but you don't really enjoy the people you work with? Do you like the industry you're in, but you don't like the function you do? So, you know, you're nestled in an in industry, a company, a team, and a job. Mm -hmm. So if you're dissatisfied, you need to begin analyzing, well, what, what are you dissatisfied about? Mm -hmm. and, um, right. and what might, as you gain perspective over your calling, what might hold your calling uh, more effectively. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what opportunities within the company, and then how do you navigate, right? So then once you, once you clarify that, then how do you navigate, right? And I think depending on the company and how, how well they've operationalized their kind of com their conversations or the, their, their value around meaning and purpose or calling, um, you know, that's going to, that's going to, they're going to have different levels of opportunities or you're going to have different levels of mobility really um, mm -hmm. to navigate to somewhere that is going to be more meaningful to you. And I'll give an example um, in the consulting industry. Um, and it kind of comes back to like the origin story of the company that I'm at right now. Uh, the consulting industry uh, historically has been uh, kind of a tough industry for consultants. Um, you know, the, it's, you know, you, it, the traditional thing is, well, it's the early people coming out of MBA <laughs> programs or coming out of college and you burn them out, you know, two to four years and, you know, either it's up and out, uh, they move on somewhere else, but, um, and you make your margins on, on those folks and, and we, and, you know, you, the, those folks bend over backwards for the clients, right? Because the client is the only one that we really want to listen to. And that has that has been the predominant narrative for a long time. And I think you know, Sam, you mentioned in the late '90s, some some kind of you started to get some more research around meaningful work and and uh, and calling. And it turns out that around that time, uh, we actually that slalom was was founded. And from what I understand, I wasn't there, um, but from what I understand, they really looked at that model and they said, "Golly, like there's got to be a better way uh, to to give consultants at, to actually elevate the consultant experience." And to focus more on the consultants as as part of this part of this equation, um, and so what they they said, look, we're gonna we're gonna focus on people, and people are clients, and people are consultants, 
And, uh, and we're, and we're going to do that. And part of the way that we're going to operationalize that is we're going to give them, we're going to make a no unwanted travel policy, right? Because typically it was Monday through Thursday, you're on the road and then you come back for the weekend to hang out with your family. If you've even managed to find time to build a family. Um, and so we ended up actually establishing that among a bunch of other types of practices and policies and attracted some really great talent, uh, folks who are later in their like mid career, um, super solid, but they just said, look, I got, I got to get off the road. I got to focus on, on my family a little bit more. I still love consulting. I love work. And that, that recipe has really just led to, to us being, um, even now, like, uh, I think a Forbes survey came out a few weeks ago, uh, around meaningful work and around, um, the best places to work. And slalom was actually among the large enterprise employers. Slalom was the top consultancy. Uh, and we're really proud of that. Absolutely. Um, you should be proud. Give you kudos for that. Yeah. A lot of credit. That's that's not accidental. Right. Yeah, exactly. I love that, Timon. Um, that's definitely a way I think about it in places I want to work at, you know, um, place I work now. That's what we think about it, too. People should feel good where they're at, want to be there. You know, we shouldn't have to be arm twisting people to stay at their, <laughs> their job. They want to be right. there and they're feeling like they're making a difference. And so we've focused on creating that sort of culture and, and environment where people are attracted and want to, want to and feel like they can do their best work because they're healthy, feeling fulfilled, you know, supported. And mm-hmm. a lot of that comes from really just helping people understand these parts of calling. But at mm-hmm. least for leaders to understand their calling can have a profound effect on other folks, even if those folks that they're working with maybe haven't sorted some of that out or still on the journey themselves. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate what you shared, time, and That's great. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Well, hey, there are a few dark sides of calling. Do you want to explore yeah, those I'm, now? I'm, or later? I'm curious about that. No, let's let's do it. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about some of the. There are the research has found there's some dark sides. Uh, there's uh, a couple. One is when someone has a sense of calling but is not able to enact it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could be uh, they have not built the qualifications for it. It could be there are structural or societal barriers. Mm. You know, we're looking at parts of the world right now that are experiencing, you know, unrest and disruption. You can't build a career in in that type of environment. Um, You know, our own society here in the U.S. is going through a time of of racial reckoning and and Mm. reckoning with the experience of women and and many marginalized groups who have not had long-term access and support um, in careers. So uh, that is a very frustrating experience and it can actually lead to lower levels of life satisfaction mm-hmm. to have a very clear sense of calling but not be able to, to live it out. Right. So that, that is a dark side. Yeah. And I think, you know, time in your, your company is a great example of trying to create a great environment where all sorts of people can, can thrive. So again, kudos, kudos yeah. to you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, an, another is sometimes people become too rigid in their decision making. Mm. And so I would say for anyone who's a student and early career, that you can have a, a strong sense of what you want to do, but you may find that you're going to enact your sense of calling a, a little later in your career. You know, sometimes you have to build a career. There are multiple steps. You have to learn the basics of the industry. You know, you have to build the, the technical skills that are necessary to be an investment banker or a computer programmer. So you have to, and it's not about paying your dues per se, but it, it's about building the requisite skills and knowledge, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people want to pass up on these uh, opportunities that don't seem perfect, but actually are perfectly leading them in the in the, in the building of their career. Mm-hmm. So rigid thinking. I see you laughing, Dave. Is no, that that's, yeah, that actually, that's a good, that? good way to think about that. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've seen people do the same thing. Oh, I don't want to do this job. I just want to like 
go and make the thing. It's like, well, to make the thing actually requires certain skills and experiences. So mm-hmm. I want to help you get those so you can then make the thing and it'll be great. It's really exactly. hard to do that, actually. <laughs> exactly. You have to have the core experience. You know, right. I think of someone who wants to be like a director of marketing. Well, sometimes you have to spend a lot of time in a, in a supermarket figuring out how to position the cereal boxes. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. how they should, you know, and that's right. that's hard work, but that's the foundational work um, yep. that you're doing. Or you're the person running the regression models in the in the survey, the right. customer survey. It's just, it's a lot of work, but that's how you build the insights yep. Um, yep. and the instincts. Uh, so, so those are those are two. Uh, another one is sometimes people with a strong sense of calling can be taken advantage of mm-hmm. because they love the work so much. They're willing to. They're not mm-hmm. negotiating their salary for what it should be. Uh, they're giving too much of themselves. Um, so, being taken advantage of uh, people with a strong sense of calling, and especially people in social services, uh, yeah. can tend to do that. And then uh, the last is burnout. You know, sometimes your life can become really imbalanced. You know, we we're talking about this self-concept. There's you have multiple identities within you, and you don't want the um, the work identity to essentially crowd out the of uh, the other dimensions of your life because uh, work is not the only dimension that brings fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some things you you need to watch out for and to to be managing. Yeah, no, those are great points. I think it's awesome to talk about. The, the benefits, which are bountiful, as you mentioned, and also some of these gotchas to help people be mindful of them. Cause I've seen myself got, uh, get caught up on some of those in the past too. And, um, so that's a great framework and thank you for sharing the research. Um, mm-hmm. other things you guys wanted to share about this as you kind of applied it with individuals or in your own life. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit more about students, for yeah, students great. who are listening yeah. um, to the podcast. Uh, some of the research that we did, uh, here at the school is we did a semi-random control trial. Uh, So we took half of our students and we brought them through a workshop where we taught them to have a calling. And throughout the year, we emailed them their calling statement with instructions on how to use it Mm. as as nudges to being able to apply it. And then with the other half of the group, we had just brought them through a career self-assessment experience, but no calling. And then we wanted to measure the difference at nine months later. And two things came about that uh, we were really excited to see. Uh, one was the calling group reported having a greater sense of calling. And, and that was significant because it was a 90-minute workshop and three emails. And so the experience of thinking about writing and reflecting on a calling statement maintained a stronger sense of calling than the, than the control group that had not. Hmm. So, so that was significant. And, and just these brief experiences really can create this belief that you uh, do have a calling. The second is our students who were in the treatment group actually acquired their internships more quickly uh, across all industries than the control group. So we really think there was a motivation factor that came in in pursuing a job. And when we interviewed students who were in the control, the treatment group who were in the, the calling workshop later after we did this research, they said they used their calling statement three ways. One was they said they used it to stay true to themselves. And, and really was a way for them to uh, select, uh, you know, be uh, not be persuaded to follow someone else's career, mm-hmm. which students, you know, can do that. Two is they said they used it to pitch themselves when they were talking about themselves in an interview or networking. You know, when they said, Dave, tell me about yourself. Yeah. You know, they didn't say my calling is, but they, they pulled from those themes. And I think the authenticity of that resonated more with interviewers. And lastly, they said they, they used it to select the best opportunities for themselves. So you see these really great strategic benefits for people who are in a career transition, like our student, like students are, 
But if someone's in the workforce and they're in a career transition, staying true to yourself, being able to communicate more authentically about yourself and selecting the best opportunities for yourself are all really great applications of having a calling statement. Absolutely. And I mean, I've seen just myself and other people, those are areas a lot of people struggle. And so if this can help them articulate that well, they'll, they'll, you know, understand themselves more and I'm sure it will help Mm -hmm. them get the next thing too, if they can actually explain what they want to do and why (laughs) in a compelling way. A hundred percent. You know, it's, it's really funny, Dave, because uh, in my job, one of the things I do is mock interviews. Right. And one of the most difficult questions that a student answers is tell me about yourself. Right. It's, <laughs> and it's the, the simple question, right? It's you. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, hey, time and tell me about yourself. And often students will be like, oh, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> I like, stop. You got to be able to just come right out of the gate and tell me who you are. Right. You know, it shouldn't shock you to have to do that, but it, it is hard. Our lives are very complicated yes. and, and multi-textured. And so yeah. to be able to reduce it down to a, a minute or two is, is challenging, but I think the calling statement come, come very directional mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what are the, what's the narrative? One of, one of the things I really, um, you know, as I think about, and as I have kind of worked through establishing this calling statement that I have now, it's like, what is the broader story that I'm part of, that you see yourself part of, right? Um, and everybody's going to kind of have a, a different narrative that they feel like they're, they're a part of, right? I think it's, 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 not, it's not a career which I have control of, but it's something that I am giving control to because I'm a part of this broader narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, as I think about that broader narrative, and I've, that's kind of evolved over the course of my career, one of the things that's, that, I, that I learned uh, probably about 10 years ago was around the value of kind of framing yourself into an industry, right, um, as, as a big and important layer. Uh, Sam, you mentioned, you know, industry, company, team, role, job. Um, and I think oftentimes, you know, we think about our, like, uh, at least my experience is people think about themselves in terms of their company or, you know, at a minimum, their role, maybe their team and probably their company. Um, but, but a lot of times they, they forget about the broader industry or maybe just don't, don't put, give it enough emphasis. And one of the biggest learnings that I had uh, about 10 years ago from a mentor was, look, think about the industry. Like, where is the industry going? What are the biggest problems in the industry? And how can you own, how can you own that? Okay. You're not going to solve all of it, but like, how can you own a piece of it and, you know, just own that problem and bring some people together and start championing that. Um, and that, and that kind of insight really helped me to, uh, start thinking about a vision for the industry, um, that, that, that I was in. Um, and, uh, and I think that that really helped me then to connect, like even my day to day, I was just thinking, Hey, what's the vision for this industry and where, where, where are we missing? And, you know, as a founder of a company, you know, I did have some, or co-founder of a company, I did have some influence in terms of how we can build services and capabilities to solve some of these uh, kind of immediate or, you know, large problems, um, or at least make, make traction there. Um, and that's, that's been something that I would encourage others who are, who are listening to this to think about, right? Okay, yes, you, are you getting started? Maybe you're a recent graduate. Are you getting started in, in an industry in, in your role? Okay, great. Like, start where you're starting, but, you know, and, and take those small steps, but start to think about the broader narrative of the industry and where is it at and, and what are the big problems? And then how can you in your, in whatever, you know, initial role you have, uh, you know, start making some, some progress in, in those areas and start having conversations uh, with others, even in your company. And I think people, people really want to, people really want to engage with, with others who are thinking more broadly and, and have a bigger vision mm-hmm. and a bigger, a bigger view. And so I'd encourage folks to be thinking mm-hmm. uh, with, with that lens in mind. Mm-hmm. 
No, that's a great point. And there's so many different industries. I mean, people then can think if they connect their own calling, like, where is an industry that I could really make a big impact in and, you know, line them up like you've been doing. Exactly. And I have a friend, actually, I have an example here of, a, of an industry statement. Um, he was a comedian. Uh, I guess he, he is a comedian kind of part time. He's also a, a therapist. Um, he has a, a practice. Um, and then it, very soon he's going to actually be a pastor. Um, so he's kind of in, in transition. And he had a vision for the stand up comedy industry. Huh. Uh, he said, stand up is a powerful tool for reminding others of their precious humanity. Hmm. It can heal wounds and traumas through laughter. Comedy can even bring down the powers of violence, secrecy, and oppression via narrative and emotional truth. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Like, wow. <laughs> Talk about meaning. Right. Sounds yeah. like he'll be a good pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you really see his thoughtfulness in uh, thinking about the industry and how he is positioned in the industry and, and what his hopes and aspirations are mm-hmm. for the industry. So I, I really like that. It's a great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. A lot, a lot of the people listening to the podcast today probably are at George Fox. Many of them are probably Christian or, or believers of some faith. And so I'm you know, curious to hear your thoughts about what this concept of calling, you know, what might you say to people that are listening today that have that connection to some faith or Christian belief system? I would say for, you know, for people of faith uh, and people specifically of, of Christian faith, uh, there, there is you know, a belief in the Genesis narrative that God created work and work is good. Uh, so I think in embracing the idea that, that work is good and, and people were designed uh, to do work and, and to enjoy their work as, a, as a, almost a first principle about work. Um, I, I think another principle specifically for Christians is the idea that uh, people are made in God's image and that people, we as people are given different gifts and talents. And so the use of our, our gifts and talents in the world is, is something that's good for us to do. It, it, it honors God when we use our gifts and that our gifts are an opportunity to bless and serve other people, uh, which is also a strong tenant in the, in the Christian faith, right. that, that we would love our neighbors, uh, which includes people we know and people we don't know. And, and often in work, we are working with you know, colleagues that we maybe know well or, or customers that we don't know well. And so it's, it's an opportunity to serve and, and to love. Yeah. So when we, we think about our work in these ways with some of the first principles of our faith, uh, I think they tie together very well. And then, and then the other thing I'd want to say, this would apply to Christians and, and people broadly of faith who, who um, are of different religions or just believe in a higher power is the role that prayer can play in decisions and discernment. Yeah. Um, so there are critical places where we're making decisions about our careers. And I think um, having, having a belief, if you have a belief that there's a God and, and this God is leading you in some way, then prayer is one of the main ways that we, uh, we connect and 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 seek to make, you know, these challenging decisions. So I, I definitely think the, the role of calling fits fits in really well for people of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Timon, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I, when I think about, uh, we, we talked about the, this concept as, as part of my calling, um, the concept of the, the best self or the ideal self, um, and, and, and as well as renewal. Um, so when I think about calling, I've, I think about it as acting based on the knowledge that God is renewing all things. And this is, again, from a perspective of myself as a Christian, um, that God is renewing all things, starting with our hearts, and that he is actively calling us to join him in that renewing work Hmm. by providing glimpses of the new heavens and the new earth that reveal God's character 
and draw people towards himself even now. Um, so that's my own kind of synthesis of yeah. Yeah. what calling means to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I completely agree with Sam that um, I, I believe that there is inherent value in the work that we do um, in, in, in like all aspects of the, the work that we, that we do. Um, and also another thing that I think about, like a question that I, I like to think about is, um, you know, what would, if, if the fall never happened, what would this, whatever look like, what would this domain, what would this industry, what would this team, what would this company, uh, look like? Um, and I, and I think about like, you know, if I, if I think about, you know, if, if the fall never happened, just imagine with me, if the fall never happened, would we have cities? Right. <laughs> would we have commerce? You know, would there be an advertising industry? <laughs> would we have Nike running shoes? <laughs> would we have Nike running shoes? Would we need to search for things? Would we need to connect with friends on the other side of the world? Would, would we have a need for devices? Like, what might that look like? Right. right? And, I, and I find that that, and then, and then we can kind of use that question, right? Of course, we're going to come up with different answers to, to, to what that specifically might look like. But, you know, we can use that lens to then compare to what the world we see today, Right. And, um, you know, I think by prayer with prayer and some, dis- some reasonable discernment and, you know, conversations with other, with other friends, um, you know, we can, we can perhaps even use that to carve out and kind of craft out a, a view of what a, what this might be like, what this could be like, or what this perhaps even ought to be like. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well guys, I think that this has been awesome. Um, we covered a lot of ground. A lot of good application of it for individuals and company leaders. And I'm just really thankful. And maybe if either of you want to share a little more about where people could find you after this to hear more, if you've got things to share, I'd love to give you the chance to do that. People can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, so my name is you know, Dr. Sam Jones or Dr. Samuel Jones. And uh, feel free to connect with me. I'm at the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, so Timon Smith, that's T-I-M-O-N, like Simon with a T. And uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me as well. I'm probably the only Timon Smith uh, in the Silicon Valley. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put that in the um, show notes afterwards so it's easy for people to find you guys. But I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for this time today. And I'll talk to you soon after this. Big thanks to George Fox Digital for producing this podcast. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to the George Fox Talks podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you stream from. And if you want to dig in more to this stuff or see what else George Fox community is talking about, check out georgefox.edu forward slash talks or by searching on YouTube for George Fox Talks.